Hi, this is Pastor Rick, glad you're with us on demand. Today we talk about something that a lot of people miss when you look at the life of Jesus, especially on the day he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He rode in with a plan, a plan to change the world. Do you have a plan? That's our conversation today. What is your plan? Jesus organized the plan. And I, I think Christians have a tendency to not plan and then use the Bible to justify not planning. So we'll talk about all that today. You don't want to miss it. This is going to be really helpful. So stay right there. On Demand is where you need to be. Get the word in your hand when you want to. Enjoy today's message. I'll be back to pray for you at the end. Wow, what a great, great beginning. I thank you for being with us today. I, I really pray that this begins your week with a strong push. Palm Sunday's always been special. It's that that week of passion starts this week where you, you hear the last messages of Jesus and all the things that come with it. And I really uh, am glad that we can at least meet this way. And for many of you who have been uh, sheltered in and doing what you, you've, done, you've been doing lately, uh, I, I want to say God's grace is going to be with all of us and we're going to rise above all this season and we're going to see God's hand. So I want to turn the topic around a little bit, and I want to talk about um, the future today. Uh, th this imagery in the whole um, Palm Sunday event where Jesus in Luke 19 rides in on a, a donkey uh, with palms uh, fanning and people yelling uh, praises and honor to him, I find it to be a wonderful image. And you saw some of that in what we just showed you. But there's more behind the image than you recognize. Because this is a new season for him. He's riding to the cross. This is not a comfortable season. This is a painful season. But what's interesting to me is he planned for it. This is um, a great example of how you plan to take charge of your future and make something happen. The Lord knew that we were in bad shape, that we were lost. And so all that you saw, the whole story of Jesus riding in on a donkey, dying on the cross, all the things that we're going to talk about in the next few days, all of that was designed with one plan in mind to make your life better. It's, all, it's, it's, it's a master strategy. And so today's question that I want you to think about is, do you have a plan? Now, you watch Jesus, there is a plan here, but do you have a plan for your life? And if you do, what is that plan? And, and do you have a plan that covers easy seasons? And do you have one that covers tough seasons? We're going to go to Luke in just a minute, but I want to take a side road trip for a minute because I want to show you that the Bible really advises us to plan ahead, to look down the road and say, I need to do something because I see something coming. Jesus knew, God knew, look, if I don't down this cross for these people, if I don't make this move, they're not going to make it. They're not going to, they're not going to make it. So the plan is to do something that will help them. So this entire week is about the plan coming together. The Lord's saying, I need to, I need to fix them. Now, here's what I think is true for a lot of Christians. They get so focused on what Jesus did, that they never do anything. And I want to say that again. 
they want to tell the story of Jesus. They want to talk about he, he died on the cross. They want to talk about he rolled it on the mule and on the donkey. They want to, they, they, and they cry and weep at that. And this, hey, it's a moving story. But after years and years and years of telling the story, the question is, how does the story apply to me? And what can I learn from the story? Well, you can learn one big lesson. God is not a God who just waits for things to happen. He looks at life and says, I need a plan. I need to find some way to fix this. And then he implements that plan. Many of you, if you're honest and look at your life, you see things down the road that need to be dealt with. But you have no plan. That is not what you see in this story. You see God facing it. This is a problem. And you see that in our current environment, people have a hard time facing what they're dealing with. And sometimes the consequences for that lack of courage leads to some horrible outcomes. There is a story in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, that I want to read to you. It's a little side, like a little side trip I want to take. And then I'm going to go to Luke and, and talk about Palm Sunday. But I want, I want, I want to take a side trip because I want, to, I want to lay out a principle for you. And basically what I want to show you is that there is a wisdom and having a plan for tough seasons. Proverbs 6, look what it says. Go to the ant, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food as harvest. Now, when you think about this for a second, this is a simple but yet profound statement that says basically... Prepare. Look at the ant, learn from the ant, and be prepared. When you look at Palm Sunday, that's what you see. This is a plan. This is something that was, that, that was laid out in advance with the goal of protecting us. Now, let me make this statement. I want you to hear this simple statement. Christians are so optimistic that they often have no crisis plans. They use the Bible to justify having no vision, no reserves, and no backup strategies. Here's what they say. God will supply for me. That's not what you see on Palm Sunday. You see God activating a plan. I'm a saved man. He's lost. I must do something. What is it that needs to be dealt with in your life? You need to activate, move, take action. But Christians, what we do, we're so optimistic. Oh, boy. I like that statement. Let me read it. I'm going to read it to you one more time. I'm going to put it on the screen. I want you to see it again. Look what it says. Christians are so optimistic that they often have no crisis plans. They use the Bible to justify having no vision, no reserves, and no backup strategies. None. None. Here's what they say. I'm going to put these up for you. I want you to, these are some statements that we make. God will supply all my needs. Philippians 4.19. God will supply all my needs. Therefore, I don't have to worry about anything. It was, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Isaiah 54.17. I don't have to worry about it. God's my weapon. <laughs> Here's another one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even if I don't work, even if I don't plan, nothing's going to hurt me because I'm a Christian. I'm saved. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's a big one. Now, this one, oh, this is the big one. Psalms 84 and 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. No good thing. 
Does he withhold? We like that, right? And we use this as sort of a justification for having no strategy, no plan, no reserves, no nothing. Don't have to go to school. Don't have to apply ourselves. God's just going to rain it down because we're Christians, because we're saved, because we know God, because we dance around the church. That's why, because all the feet movement is going to make God move, because we dance. There you go backwards. There you go forward. That's what's going to make God move. Really? But that's not what the text says. Psalm 84, 11 says this. The Lord God is sun and shield. True. The Lord bestows favor and honor. True. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk whose walk is blameless. You do what you're supposed to do. You plan when you're supposed to plan. You set aside when you're supposed to set aside. Then you have, you, you have a better chance of success. The, the idea that you can use your status, position as a believer, as some license to have a great life is just, <laughs> you're just fooling yourself. That's not how it works. You can be saved, sanctified, go to church, read the Bible, dance in the spirit, flip backwards, speak in tongues forward and backwards and still be broke, miserable, bad marriage, unhealthy, out of shape and and unemployed. Because nobody can put up with your lack of preparation. You don't have a life that is moving forward, progressive thinking. When you look at Jesus and, 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 and on this day. Most people just look at the ceremonial part of it, the fact that they honored him. They, they, some people love the praise part. And, you know, when they were praising him, you'll see in a minute the, the people. Oh, they, that, that's the part. But like, if we don't, the rocks will cry out. They're excited about that part because that's the part that we like to talk about. But I want you to notice how structured and organized and strategic this all is. This is part of a master plan. Jesus planned all this. God planned all this. You're asking God to do something for you, but you refuse to stop long enough to plan. Preachers are too busy. You're running around all the time. You folks are running every place and you're, you're not thinking. There's no thought. You're not looking for counsel or advice. So let me tell you this story now. I want you to listen to me as I tell you the story, the Palm Sunday story, and hear it from a planner's perspective. Look at verse Luke chapter 19, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you as you enter it. You will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden until it, I'm sorry, untie it and bring it here. Think about this. Jesus says, guys, I want you to go to this city and there's a cult that's already been set aside for this day. Now, when you think about this, in reality, this is kind of like when I travel, I call ahead and reserve a car. I make plans. I know I'm going to get there and I know I need a car. Jesus set aside a donkey. He did it. He told them he did it, told them where to go, pick it up, pick up the donkey, told them what to say. Watch this when they get there. Watch verse. Um, I, I just love this because, you know, it, it shows this incredible, courageous strength of pre-planning. 
Jesus pre-planned the details of the ride. Verse 31. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Why are you untying this donkey? Say, say this. This is the password. The Lord needs it. Verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had said, he told them. Verse 33. And they were untying, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, here's the password. The Lord needs it. It's called pre-planning. It's called laying out a strategy, implementing a plan that you thought about before you got there. He, he Jesus, obviously had gone ahead, made these arrangements, told them some guys are going to come. Here's the password when they come. Give them the cult. Th this is all planned. It's not accidental. He didn't stumble into things. You know, a lot of people really believe that most of what God does is accidental. That is not true. Your body is not an accident. It works like a machine. And when something's wrong, the doctors can find out what's wrong because it's not working the way it's supposed to work. There's a way life works. There's a way families, marriage, all those things work. And a lot of times when it's not going well, we didn't plan well. This is going like clockwork. Now, what's interesting is notice the next step of the plan. He tells them where to go. Tells them what to say. Then look at verse 35. He tells them, I love this. I want you to implement the process. Jesus lets the disciples process the plan for this incredible ride into a new season. And that's where they're headed. Jesus is taking them to a new season. Look at verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. They put Jesus on it as he went along People spread their cloaks on the road. But notice who is actively implementing the plan. The disciples are. They went and got the cult. They put Jesus on the cult. I mean, they did it. They, they were involved. There's something about having a plan that includes other people. You know, some people are really good and some preachers are good. Some business people are good as long as they're doing all the work. So if you're a brick mason, as long as you lay in the brick, the company does great. But when you have to get other people and teach other people how to do it, and when you have to help get people to help you, th then you fall apart. My success is tied to people helping me. It is tied, linked, arm, <laughs> arm and I mean neck to help. I cannot do it all. And that's the problem. In your house, you're trying to do it all. You're trying to wash all the clothes. You're trying to clean everything. You're trying to pay for all the bills. That's why you're tired. You need a plan. You need a plan. The Lord's trying to get them to a new place, to a new season. His goal is to get them to a, a whole new season. But in order to get them there, he had to put together a plan. That's what I want you to see. This is not just a ceremony riding on a mule. This is more than that. This is part of a master strategy. I'm trying to get you here. To get you here, I need you guys to do this. I need you guys to say these words. I need you to bring, I need you, to, I need you to participate. Let me, let me give you a word. You're going to fail if you try to do it all by yourself. You're not going to succeed. No great person ever succeeds. Moses had somebody holding his arms up. You need help. And you need to let somebody help you. But you have to first, here you go, sit down and come up with a plan. A strategy. What do I need? And what do I need to do? I need this, so I need to do that. Do this. I need to do that. I need this. I, need, I want this to happen. So I got to do that. I must. I, I, I can't succeed 
And I think that in during this season, rather than crying about it, sit down and look at it. It's been amazing. I've learned things about myself during this season that have been amazing. Let me press on. So once, once they, they start going down this road and all the people are shouting praises to Jesus, watch what happened in verse 37. This is interesting. It says, verse 37, uh, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, I've been there, by the way. I see that in my head. It's amazing to go to the Holy Land. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Man, when I went to the Mount of Olives and I was sitting there and I was looking out, I thought, man, it's by a freeway too, by the way. And I'm sitting there now and I'm thinking, okay, so <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, it's different now. It's, it's, it's a modern day Israel. And I'm, I'm, but I am always moved when I think about the olive trees, you know, they were all, it was on a little hill and I'm just, it was a moment, it was a moment. Moment. And so here they are, and they're celebrating at the Mount of Olives. They're celebrating. They're celebrating um, <laughs> the miracles. Let's think about that for a minute. So, so they're not celebrating him. They're celebrating what he did. Remember that time, man? He told that guy, get up and walk. Man, I remember that time, man. Lazarus was dead, smelling bad, and he spoke a word and came out, man, he's walking dead, man. It's amazing. He should have been there. All the time I heard he's walking on the water. Man, I heard about that one. Did you see the time that he, you know, you just have all these miracles. What about the wedding? Yeah, man, I heard he turned water into wine. Water into wine. Yes, sir. We need to get him to come to my house sometime. Whoo, boy. I mean, I, I just, when you think about, they didn't celebrate his character. They weren't celebrating his plan. So notice two things. Number one, notice his plan and their plan are different. They're focused on the celebrity part of this, right? He's focused on the character part of it. They're focused on the miraculous, dynamic, ba-boom, exposure. He's focused on their sin. He's thinking, you know, you guys are lost. It's very interesting. And here's what they said in verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the, in the highest. Oh, goodness gracious. Is that bad, Pastor Rick? Uh, well, celebrity isn't bad. I mean, I think you need celebrity training. You need to learn how to be important. You know, if you, if you, if you touch thousands of lives, you do great things, people are going to, you know, celebrate you. Probably, hopefully. They'll, they'll say, good job. But, but learning how to manage and process moments when people admire you can be difficult. It can be tough, it can be tough. Some people only focus on miracles. I grew up in Los Angeles, and so because I did, uh, I grew up a few, couple of years here in Savannah when I was in high school, and that's another story, but my bulk of my life was in Los Angeles. And what's interesting is L.A., Hollywood, all of that, a lot of it is about celebrity. I mean, you know, you introduce people about what they used to do. This is the guy right here. He used to be the bus driver for, you know, John Wayne or something. And we, we always have a need to identify with somebody. And, and we see them differently. 
we, we, we see, um, I've gotten to know several celebrities. Uh, can drop a few names, but I'm not going to do that. But I could just drop a few names. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man. But they're people. They're people. Mm. Yeah. They're people. And the challenge is when you um, get to know people, right? Um, what, what touched me just now, a friend of mine just this week passed, Elgin Baylor, basketball player, L.A. Lakers. And, um, and so when I talked, when, I, when I, we taught me to just get kind of pause for a minute because I was touched because how wonderful Elgin was and his wife, Elaine. And um, we would go out to eat and, and um, shy guy, real shy. And his view of celebrity was interesting. His, it wasn't really a big thing for him. But in the middle of all of this glory, it's interesting to see how people respond to celebrity. And I can think of many other people I've known who've done well, but there's something about a person getting to the place where they put that in the right place. Some of you, you want to be famous. You want to be, you want to know people. You want to drop a name. You want to be, but in reality, what you discover on the other side, which I'll talk about next week. I can't wait to share next week's sermon because I want to show you how it looks on the other side. You have one view over here, but there's another view over there. Something you need to see that you can't see. You, know, you thought if you had all this money, a big house or whatever, that, but, but you can't see over there. Man. So the, the, the people are crying. They're, they're worshiping Jesus. And Jesus says something that's interesting because the leaders, first of all, they're bothered because they think this is too much. You shouldn't be, shouldn't, they shouldn't be shouting, you know, peace and blesses the king and all that. Stop them. Stop them. Look at verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And uh, he said, tell them to stop doing that. Now, now that's that's common because, you know, a lot of people feel that way. Like, OK, well, you, you know, nobody should get any honor. And and he, he says something profound to them in response. Verse 40. I tell you, he replied, uh, if they keep quiet, the stones will, will cry out. S somebody else is going to. Going to praise me now. Worship leaders like that part, and they and then I understand the, the the value in that in the worship context. But I want you to think beyond that for a minute. Here's what he's saying: I have a balanced view of this moment. I can see the value in this moment. It's okay for them to honor me. It's okay for them to to lift me up. It's okay. There's something about knowing how to balance that and not be confused that honor has its place. Let me say it that way. Honor has its place. There's a there's a place. But when honor goes too far, that's another conversation. But in this moment, honor was due. Give honor. The Bible says to whom honor is due. <sighs> Man. And it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. God, God, God. Plan this moment to give honor to his son. So he's riding into a new season. He's guiding everyone to a place they don't even know they're going. 
He's riding and he knows in his mind, I'm headed to the cross. I'm riding to the cross, man. He's riding to a new place, man. And he was prepared for what was coming. He put the details in place. He put the plan in place. He built a team around him so they could help him get there. And he, and he let the praises, the honor, ring out loud. So what do you learn from all that? Well, you need to plan. You need, you, need, you need a plan. Some of you have been praying for a long time, but I want you to sit down for just a little bit this week and say, all right, God, and so, okay, so what is, what is the plan? What do I need to do? What do I need to put in place? The plan worked. You'll see that next week. The plan worked. It all came together. There was a lot of pain between this week and next week. There's a lot of loss between this week and next week. There's betrayal between this week and next week. There are hard days between this week and next week. There's sleepless nights between this week and next week. There's all kinds of things that will happen in the next seven days. But at the end, next week this time, he's going to rise. At the end, the plan, if you apply it and you keep yourself humbled and you see it right, you'll get there. Between here and there, the question is, do you have a plan? Do you, do you, have, do you have something you brought to God? And said, God, let's, let's get in front of this. I see, I see, I see something coming. I need to get in front of this disease. I need to get in front of this physical issue. I need to get in front of this financial issue. I need to get in front of this marriage strife. I need to get in front of, I need to get in front of this depression. I need to, because here's what's going to happen. If you hold on to God between here and there, you'll rise again. I promise you. Jesus knew the plan and he knew there were parts of the plan that weren't fun. He knew in Gethsemane, he knew there was going to be parts of this plan that hurt. But he had a plan. Some of you are mad with God about something in your life that didn't work out. You got this whole thing. God, I know, I know God. I asked God and he didn't do this. And I, but let's go back and look at the details of your plan. You asked God for a good marriage, but you had a bad attitude. You didn't, you weren't faithful. You asked God to give you money, but you didn't work and you didn't save. You asked God, come on, be, be honest for a minute. You didn't want to go from this week to next week. You don't want the stuff in between. You want to get to resurrection without dying. You want to get to victory without a price. You want to graduate without studying. You want God to prosper you without adjusting your words and attitudes. You want to make you want God to make all the sacrifices, but you make none. That wasn't part of the plan. When he got on that donkey, he knew he was riding to a new season. He knew when he got on there, there was going to be a new day. He knew when I get on this donkey, I'm riding someplace. It's not easy. That's truth. My friend. Riding to this new season is about you being clear that there is a challenge in front of you. There's a challenge in front of me. America's going through a new season. Right now we're riding to a new season, but let me tell you what we need. A plan that includes God, integrity, openness, no racism, no bias, gender fairness, loving for people, love for people who disagree with me morally, who disagree with me, who don't want to live the way I live, but I still can love you. For God so loved the world that he, that's part of the plan, gave his only begotten son, knowing that many of them would never serve him. But we're not like that. Some of us are trying to hijack everybody. If you don't come to my church, if you don't think like I think, if you don't make my moral decisions, then I don't like you. That's not how God thought. 
He got on that mule. And he looked down that road and he knew this one here is going to hate me. And that one over there is talking about save now, Lord. And this one over here is complimenting me. But he knew they'll be right there at the cross wanting to crucify me. But he kept on riding because he loved us enough to see the plan. Do you have a plan? Father, I lift up everyone in this, this, this moment and pray that we would look at our plans and say we need to repent. We have no plan. We've not been like the ant to sit aside a little bit. We've not, we've, we exhausted, tired, wore out, no strength, no energy to love, no energy to, no, we are just a mess. Help us stop and plan. Help us, Lord God, be more honest. Help us invite others to help us. Father, we need you in this week, this passion week where the greatest sacrifice ever was made for us. May we have the courage to make the sacrifices to do what we need to do to walk in victory and freedom. It's one thing, Lord God, to talk about your resurrection, but to never talk about ours. It's one thing to talk about what you did for us, but for us to never talk about what we do for you. It's one thing, Lord God, to put on our fancy clothes and have all of our big events around your sacrifice. But we live a life far from you. That is not the plan. The plan is that we get to know you, be transformed by your word and make a difference in the world. A real measurable difference. Your plan wasn't that we'd be Republicans or Democrats. Your plan wasn't that we would be a people focused on our race or our, our, our money or focused on celebrity. Lord, all those things are gifts you gave us. You gave us our race. You gave us our ethnicity. You gave us, you gave us, you gave us some of us opportunities to be known, to touch lives. But the focus of the plan was to give us a life more abundantly, to love those who hurt, to care for those who are, who are in prison, to love people to wholeness. That's why you got on that donkey. That was the plan. It wasn't to build big churches with big cathedrals, with big sanctuaries and to fill up pews and to fill up uh, auditoriums. That was not the plan. The plan was smaller than that. You just want to change lives. That's the bigger plan that doesn't seem that impressive these days. But help us to focus on a plan, a godly plan, in Jesus' name. Now I pray for people, Lord, who don't know you, who've never really opened their heart to your plan for their life. Let this be that moment for them when they say, Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I invite your plan into my life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by what you heard on demand today, and I pray that it challenged you to say, am I the kind of person that doesn't have a plan? I, I act like life's going to just work out for me, but I've never sat down. Do I use the Bible to justify me not planning? Am I, am I honest before God? Am I really honest? Man, this can help you. I want you to ride to a new beginning, a new life for you, but it starts with a plan. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those today who join me in this Bible study. I pray that they would prepare for what's coming. I, plan, I pray they would plan and pray with the details in their mind. I pray that they would activate the process. They wouldn't just talk about the process, but they'd make it happen. 
And I pray, God, that they would always be clear about the moment they're in. They're in a moment that they need to face, they need to deal with. Jesus told everybody, this is the price tag I've got to pay. They didn't really get it, but he got it. Help us to get it and help us to plan to overcome our challenges in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I've enjoyed being with you on demand. I pray you enjoyed being with me. If this message blessed you, link it and send it to a friend. Go and be victorious and don't you forget to plan. Define where you want to go. Activate the process. Make it happen, my friend. And don't use the Bible as an excuse to not do anything. You have a role to play. God bless you. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'll see you next time right here on demand.